Hello, everyone, and welcome to FCC Talk. I am your host, John Rose, Children and Family Minister from First Christian Church, and with me today is Chris Gregg, the Senior Minister here at First Christian Church. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing really well, John. I'm a little tired, but I'm making it pretty well. There you go. Wow. It, uh, it is toward the end of the week and, uh, you've had an eventful week and, uh, stuff like that. So I don't blame you, uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, we do want to remind you before we get into the episode, please do like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on podcasts, please do, uh, subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening from. We appreciate that. And just to remind you, FCC Talk is the, talking uh, episode of what's going on in our world today for First Christian Church in Brazil, Indiana. We don't go into politics, but we do give ministry insights, talk about news events, current articles, things like that. And uh, by no means is it a sermon, but we will definitely reference some Bible from here to there and uh, mostly just reacting and giving our thoughts and giving our opinions on things that are happening in our world today. So uh, our biggest news item to get to right off the bat, uh, earlier this week, Chris, Toby Keith uh, passed away from cancer. And I know that was something that was a big item for many people. And uh, I've talked to people in our church, and I know we have quite a few listeners of Toby Keith in our church. And so um, that that was a big thing. And we obviously wish his family and everybody well. But the, uh, the thing that I found on it that was interesting was that Toby Keith said that faith led him through the dark hallways of cancer uh, in his battle before his death, giving a lot of credit to faith. Uh, Toby Keith basically when was asked multiple times about the dark hallways, as he called it, of cancer, credited his faith as the answer for why he was able to make it through. There was an interview done in September where Keith told Fox News that faith was his, quote, rock for uh, getting through everything. And then a quote that I have from him that I want to read really fast is he said, I lean on my faith and I just pray and lean into it. You got to do what you got to do. And I don't know how people do it without faith. That's what I did. It was my rock. Chris, what was your reaction to one, the passing of Toby Keith and two, learning about the faith that he had that was able to help him through it? Well, first of all, I am kind of like country music and I listen to country music, not regularly. And Toby Keith is one of those guys that I like some of his songs and uh, enjoy him. And I was really in shock Tuesday when somebody said to me, Toby Keith just passed away. And I said, I think he was around my age. And so it was kind of a shock to me. And I didn't know he had spent the last year uh, suffering from cancer and getting treatments. And and so I was kind of sad because, you know, he's one of those guys that you just kind of like. Yeah, very it was a very patriotic, uh, did a lot of things to the troops with, uh, mm-hmm. going over there and playing. And, um, you know, I think he was originally from Oklahoma and was, uh, right. one of those oil workers or whatever, and just kind of had a side gig of music until, you know, as most people do, they got to Nashville and stuff. So, uh, I, I was, I've listened to Toby Keith in the past. I wouldn't say I was a big Toby Keith fan. I've never been to a concert or anything like that. Uh, but definitely like you, when I when I learned of his passing, it, it was a little shocking. Um, I, I wasn't quite uh, in the news, I guess, with him as much to know that he had cancer. But um, but yeah, so definitely 
a big thing there. What's your reaction, Chris, to, you know, Toby Keith's faith and how much he said he was leaning on it? And obviously, I mean, you've been somebody who's been in hospital situations, whether that be with church members or non-church members and their families, things like that. You know, what from what you've seen and just from, you know, what you've known about Toby Keith and his faith and things like that, what what's your reaction to somebody allowing their faith to help them through a hard situation like this? I First of all, I think like cancer and those life-threatening diseases kind of reveal who you are and what you are and what you're going to lean on. And I, I, I'm like Toby Keith in the sense of, I don't know how you make it without faith. And, and to me, part of his faith was expressed in his songs and in his life before cancer. And so when he had cancer, I think that was the natural place to go. It's, it's devastating. And, and here was a very wealthy person who, who died and all the medical technology in the world could not save him. And we get into those situations where, you know, we, we think we have all the answers and we don't. And so we have to go to the one who has all the answers and recognize that there are dark hallways in our lives and things are not fair and we still rely on him. So where else would you go? Yeah, no, exactly. I I think it's so important that you mentioned there about having faith before the dark hallways of your life happen versus, you know, trying to develop that faith when the dark hallways finally do come. Uh, Obviously, you know, we don't know how strong Toby Keith's faith was, but we do know that like you said, through his music and things like mm-hmm. that, he at least had some kind of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Chris, this one, you know, because of your expertise as a minister and what you've been through mm-hmm. all these years and uh, helping, helping people through situations, not necessarily just death, but, you know, the broad, dark hallways of people's lives. How have you noticed the impact of somebody having a strong faith before those dark dark hallways come and maybe somebody who is trying to strengthen their faith, or maybe they've just now come to faith after those dark hallways have come. Mm -hmm. What, what's the impact or or what's the difference there? You feel like when somebody has faith before something happens versus trying to have it after it happens. I think it's easier for people of faith to go through difficult times because we have a hope beyond this life and we have a source to help us through with the Holy Spirit and God's grace through those times. And it's still, it's still frustrating and, and you still go p- through periods of doubt and, and why me kind of uh, thought process. But for the folks that grieve without faith, who don't have a faith, sometimes they never get a faith. And that's, uh, it's it's just very difficult uh, because they grieve without hope in in death situations, but in life situations, very angry, very depressed, very alienated from others, very uh, a lot of self pity comes along with that lack of faith because there's no hope. And this is all if there this is all that there is, then it is a raw deal. But faith will lead us through those dark hallways, those difficult times, whether it's just the natural aging process or whether it's a cancer diagnosis or an Alzheimer's or COPD or dementia of any type. 
all of those things, God can be our hope and our strength through those. Yeah, and it's, you know, imperative not only for those people going through those things, but also the family, right, as well, that they mm-hmm. have faith and they're able to get through that. I, you know, mm-hmm. talking to my mom, my grandmother before COVID ever happened, she actually passed away right before COVID happened, but she was dealing with dementia and uh, things like that <clears throat> um, before she passed away. And I mean, my mom, you know, she, whenever I would talk to her about it, she would she would say, I don't know how any family member can help somebody through this when they don't think mm-hmm. or they don't have faith that there's something on the other side. Right. Because it's just, it's just constant suffering and constant not even being able to remember where you are, who you're with, or, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And, um, you know, when Toby Keith said, like, I don't know how people do this if they don't have faith, I don't know how family members or people around somebody else who's going through this. So Toby Keith's family, how they're able to see him suffer and go through this without the faith that there is something else coming. There is something on the other side and it's not just all over here. Absolutely. And, and you wonder what is, you know, Toby Keith's purpose and part of it was to die well and represent Christ well in, in, in his death at this age, he was only 62. So to me, that's not very old. For a lot of people, they said, well, he lived 62 years and that was enough. And they're right. But in in our day and age, people live way beyond that. And what kind of good could he have done? But God had a purpose and he had a plan and he allowed for that. It's not, death is never his perfect plan. It is a part of the fall of man. And yet, here, here is someone who represented Christ who died. Yeah, and, and uh, when you represent him with even the end of your life, it can it can have an impact on other people, right? Absolutely, to, uh, absolutely. Uh, to do that. So, so yeah, uh, definitely an encouraging story that you know Toby Keith went through this uh, not by himself, but with his faith and um, hopefully his, his faith in Jesus Christ and things like that that he was able to. Uh, uh, it spread that to hopefully his family and fans and things like that as well. So I mm-hmm. uh, definitely wanted to give some time to talk about that. Appreciate uh, talking about that with us, Chris. We're going to move on to the next story. The next story, a um, little bit of a different story, but a good one. So Pastor Jack Hibbs, I don't know if you ever heard about him before, Chris, but he is from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California. He's okay. a senior minister there, and he, he in a recent sermon series listed five things that Christians will go to war over in 2024. So uh, these are some big areas, I think, and uh, I'm going to review them really fast and then and then we'll talk about them. So number one, his first thing was they will go to war against truth. Uh, and and, and he, he specifically referenced John 18, 37 through 38, when Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? truth and relating that to our world today where, you know, people don't know what the truth is because there's so many different avenues there's so many different people speaking, communicating out there that they have a hard time of really knowing what truth is. And to say the Bible is a source of all truth is hard because there are so many other people wanting to speak truth into their lives. So that's his number one. Number two is against facts. Uh, he says that 
reporting what is observed is what he means by facts. And uh, he said that definitions in 2024 are be- going to become some of the most important things out there because, you know, some people speak in certain ways and some people people speak in other ways. But uh, actually getting down to the facts of what has been going on, what has been happening, uh, kind of leaning into the truth there a little bit again, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. His third one, he said, is the war against faith, and specifically he means the Christian faith. Uh, he says, when you have no faith in someone or something greater than yourself, greater than yourself, you lose hope and you lose direction. Uh, but if your faith in Christ and Jesus is in Jesus Christ and Him alone, uh, then you have a strong foundation of faith. Number four is against the church. He believes uh, again the Christian church primarily. He says that he has uh, that there has always been a war against God's church in our world, but he believes that could uh, even further uh, go to war even more. Uh, he said God loves His church. We love each other, but the world is against us. And then finally, this is a big one. He said fifth is the war against marriage. Uh, he has, It doesn't take a spiritual Einstein to figure out this one. I thought that was a funny quote. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's specifically, he, he mentioned uh, not so much, you know, different forms of marriage in our world today, but just the cheapening of marriage uh, with TV shows like Married at First Sight and The Bachelor and other things like that, that kind of like turn marriage into a game show, essentially, and talking about how, you know, that's not what marriage was ever intended to be, and we don't need to cheapen it. And in fact, we need to take it very seriously, not only for ourselves, but for our young ones, uh, you know, uh, growing adults and people like that in our lives. So Chris, my question to you is, which of these five, uh, marriage, the church, facts, truth, and Christian faith, which of these five do you see uh, Christians arguing over or the world arguing with Christians over the most in 2024? The most would be a challenge. I think probably the thing that we're fighting the most over is the facts. What are what is really the facts? And with our social media and the fraudulent news that we receive, how do we know what the facts are and what is really true? What really did happen? And there's a real cloud around all of that not only for Christians, but for everyone. But when I look at Hibbs five wars or ba- battles that you are ta- we're talking about today, I think those battles have existed before 2024 20, and will continue to exist. Facts are slanted. Words are used not the way I grew up understanding the definitions of certain words. And so that makes facts not... not clear and somebody may say something and you hear it one way, but they intended another way. So communication of the facts and uh, fake news is a reality because no one is, what I would say, responsible for really conveying the truth anymore in news reporting. And so, what we're hearing a lot of times is slanted a certain way for a certain agenda. And that that is with all, it seems like, all media outlets. 
Yeah, I know for sure. I, I, I see kind of the combination of number one and two with the truth and the facts. Uh, you know, I, I'm somebody that I indulge in a lot of, um, you know, uh, content online for biblical uh, study and things like that. I personally am just not a big reader. Uh, so I, I, I do a lot of studying and things like that through podcasts and through trusted sources on, mm-hmm. on YouTube and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mike Winger is one that I, I really appreciate, uh, the Bible Project, some of those other ones. Um, but I've noticed in all of these situations that facts of the Bible and, you know, history are not being accepted nearly as they were before. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who have, you know, to me, uh, and I'll just say it because to me at this point, some crazy ideas uh, of what the history of the Bible is and things like that. Things that I was never taught and I, I'd never seen any proof for, but people believe that. And to me, it's like, well, sounds like people are wanting the truth to be more of what they feel rather than what is actually there and what is actually true. Uh, and so this this facts uh, point, I feel like, goes directly into the truth of, you know, who we are, who created us, those kind of things. And and I do have concern moving forward for how difficult it might be to evangelize to somebody uh, through the facts and through the truth of who God is, because unfortunately, not only has the truth of the world and how we're created been questioned, uh, but also uh, the false teachings of Christianity and things like that have been tested uh, through have been tested through uh, bad evidence and people not using uh, correct facts or people choosing facts, like you said, with an agenda to make those things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on the uh, the church. You know, the church is one that I've always seen is being uh, is being a a war or a battle with our society. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it feels like it's getting stronger. Do you, do you see the war with the church and, and the world getting stronger as time goes on? Or do you feel like this, this battle has always kind of existed? It's always been this way. And, uh, it's one of those things that it's like, it is what it is. And we're going to continue to fight this battle. I'm curious your thoughts. I just find it fascinating in my lifetime and in my ministry here over the last, I don't know, 35, 36 years, uh, people's attitude toward a church has changed. And even the public persona, a friend of mine who uh, I work around or, or know doesn't like the church. He likes Jesus, but he doesn't like the church. And so I think there's a battle going on there. Whether it's strong or not, I don't know. I think the church is a an affront to those that want to do what they want to do. And, you know, the church or the body of Christ, the word of God uh, conveying the truth is not received well because that disagrees with what you were talking about, the feeling culture of what I want to do, what I want to do. And that's kind of a, a sensate mindset. If it feels good, if I think it's right, if I feel like it's right, then it's right for me. I do me you do you kind of philosophy, whereas Christianity comes from an idealistic perspective in the sense of we have a model, we have 
a pattern of faith, principles of faith, the values of faith, the characters of faith, following after Jesus Christ. And so it doesn't change according to our feelings. We live to that ideal, not to our feelings. And that's what our culture is doing right now. And so I think you nailed it in that perspective. And and I think that's part of the reason why people don't like the church, because it's not that, that I think people are trying to make the church be what they feel like it should be rather than what God called it to be. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And, and as the church, we have to stand united and together through all of it, because in reality, you know, there are going to be attacks against the church with, you know, whether that be misplaced facts or, you know, I feel like the church should be this rather than, you know, this is what the church was actually instructed to be. Um, but to me, that the, the most important thing is, is through all of these, you know, especially the church, but through all of these, uh, we as Christians, we have to stand together, united. Uh, if we argue, let's remember, you know, the things that are truly worth arguing about and truly worth, you know, having discussions over uh, and those other things that, you know, are not as important. And we say, you know what, no harm, no foul. Let's stay united uh, because that's that's what Christ's church uh, or, or God's church is supposed to supposed to be. So, all right, Chris, unless you have any more thoughts on that one, we'll move on to well, our third one. Let me say one more thing. Okay, our, go ahead. our worldview has, you know, every religion or ism religion has a worldview and answers questions what is truth and what is fact and goes on from there so what we're talking about is worldviews here and our worldview the christian worldview i believe is the best worldview and if you do a comparison of worldviews and religion I think Christianity is going to come out on top every time. And I think the other thing is churches, the church always has thrived in the battle, in the war, even when it's the underdog, because God loves his church. it, It is Jesus' bride and the church will prevail. Churches locally, small churches will close and die. It always has happened. But the Church of God, the Church of Jesus Christ, will always prevail. So I, I just want to say that before we wrap up there. Yeah, no, great, great point there. Appreciate that. Um, all right, our last story to get to is uh, so this is kind of a sad one, but I felt like it was heart wrenching enough um, and, and really kind of tugs at you a little bit. Uh, so that feeling side that we're talking about that might come out here a little bit more. But but I believe that it. It is how we should respond and a great example for us. And, uh, and I appreciate stories like that. So essentially what we have here is a seminary professor, uh, forgave his son's killer. So you hear about these stories sometimes, uh, of, you know, somebody who's, who's righteous and in the faith, uh, somebody, you know, whether it be a family member, a a son, a daughter, a wife or something like that, or a husband or whatever, uh, somebody dying unjustly, uh, but for, this seminary professor to forgive his killer is just, just, 
astounding. Uh, and, and it's what we're called to do. And, and I believe it, it deserves to be recognized. So essentially what we have here, I'm not going to go through the whole story in every detail, but uh, the son of the seminary professor, Robert Smith, his son, Tony Smith, was working in a restaurant as a cook. And when the restaurant was robbed, everybody got out. Uh, but unfortunately, he had his headphones in and did not hear everybody getting out. The robbers uh, grabbed him told him to open the cash register to which he tried to do, but the cash register was jammed. And so he was unable to open it. And obviously he's very stressed out in this situation, not sure what to do. And, uh, one of the, the robbers pulled the trigger and, uh, and shot his son. And eventually after some time in the hospital, the son was pronounced dead. Uh, Tony's father, who, uh, was a professor at B Senate divinity school. I think he still is a professor there. Uh, his name is Robert Smith. He was actually at a conference in Louisiana when he got a call telling him that his son was shot and was also killed. Robert said, you lean, you, you, not you lean, you learn to say that God is sovereign. Smith said, it's easy to say that when the sun is shining, but when the sun goes down and you have to live it, it becomes real. Um, pretty, pretty heart-wrenching quote there. His first wife had died of lupus when uh, their three boys were young, and um, Smith's basic, basically his outlook since then, and, and there are, like I said, a myriad of other struggles and things like that that he went through. Uh, basically, what he did is, is it says, while holding on to God's sovereignty, Smith forgave Tony's killer and began writing letters to him in prison, not only forgiving him, but also verbalizing that to him through letters and continuing to write letters to him. Uh, Smith forgave Tony's killer, began writing letters to him in prison. He kept working, teaching, and speaking all over the world. He read the entire Bible aloud for Crossway's new audio version of the ESV, and in a few months, he'll retire after 27 years at Beeson Divinity School. Um, Chris, I, I don't know any other question to start off here other than what is your overall reaction to the story of the professor, uh, his son dying and him being able to forgive his son's killer? Well, first of all, I would say how very sad and heart wrenching this story is. And the other side of it is, is that it's not uncommon. Some people in some circumstances, some families have somebody who dies in a tragic accident, somebody who dies of cancer, somebody who dies of another health disease. I know of one family who lost all three kids and then finally both spouses in untimely ways and how tragic that is. And it just, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around it. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's heart wrenching and, and you think about it and, you know, me who has two small children, I think to myself, you know, would I ever be able to do that? And of course I would like to think that I'm able to do that. I would like to think that, uh, I have enough faith to do that, but at the end of the day, um, you know, like, like you said, you know, you, you believe in God's sovereignty when the sun is shining, but when the sun goes down, it becomes real. Uh, and so I'd like to think that I'm able to do that. But at the end of the day, when it actually happens to you, when it actually does affect those in your life that you care about the most, um, it can be 
can be really, really difficult. So uh, all of these stories, by the way, are linked in the description of, of the video and of the podcast. So uh, we're, we, like I said, we don't have time to go through the entire story. But if this is something for you that kind of impacts you, I, w- I would recommend that you go click on this article and read this one because it is very, very uh, interesting and able to, to help in a lot of ways if you have somebody in your life that you're having trouble to forgive. Uh, so, Chris, that's my next question to you is what would be your biggest advice to someone who is struggling to forgive somebody right now? Maybe it's not on the level that Robert Smith has, has gone through with his son passing away but uh, mm-hmm. or being killed. But, you know, what would be your advice to somebody who, who is having a hard time forgiving somebody else in their life for something that's gone wrong? Well, forgiveness takes time sometimes with us. Sometimes we're not on the, we're not ready yet. And so I think the first thing you could do is allow yourself some time, but know that ultimately our goal is not, we're not, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. We're drinking the poison when we hold bitterness and anger and resentment. And every one of us are going to have challenges in the area of forgiveness. And I I have and I do. And I have to say, is is this hurting me or is this hurting them? And I, I look at myself and I say, no, it's hurting me. I'm holding a grudge. I want to get even. I want to retaliate. I want to tell them what I think. And I think we have to get to the point where, no, I think love can cover it. Jesus forgave me. I can forgive them. It doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that what they did was right. But I'm laying down. I'm moving on. I'm not going to look back at what occurred to me. I'm going to move on from there. And and that's really that's really hard. I mean, I can't imagine losing a child or a grandchild and being in that circumstance and and working toward forgiveness with someone who was high on drugs who randomly shot what a, what a waste of a life the value of life in that moment what, what i again that's a truth issue what's a human life worth worth and and we believe the church believes the christianity believes in the sanctity of life but again, how do you wrap your head around that in, in, in reality of this is a sinful world, we have a sovereign God, and forgiveness helps us and helps us move on where there is hope and peace and understanding that Tony, Robert's son, is with the Lord. And that's where we get our hope and, and, and uh, solace because he's living a better life than he could ever live here. But we experience that loss and that grief and want to cherish that life for the rest of ours. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to put it. I I love when you talk about forgiveness and talk about the, you know, you, you said that in some of your sermons before it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person. I was just talking to the kids in uh chapel for Cornerstone yesterday morning um, and telling them about, you know, how, 
God's commands for us are are not just to please him. Yes, they do please him, and we should recognize that and want to mm-hmm. please and worship him. But his commands for us are also to protect us because he sees the better life that we can have through mm-hmm. uh, his instructions and his guidance and his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is one of those things where, you know, our desire, uh, human desire right off the right off the bat is revenge, right? Right. I mean, make it right, you know, get, get back at that person or I'm never Mm -hmm. going to talk to that person Mm -hmm. again or whatever it might be. When in reality, you're just holding on to something that, you know, is going to continue to bother you and going to continue to wreck your life in that certain way. But when you're able to let go, when you're able to forgive, even if, even if they don't ask for it, even if they're not remorseful, but you're able to forgive, uh, it does help you in your life. I always say, it's it's okay to forgive, but not forget. You know, just because right. somebody you've forgiven somebody right. doesn't mean you have to let them back into every little situation right. and things like that. Right. But you can forgive them by letting go of what right. happened, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. God sees that as uh, pleasing mm-hmm. for Him, and like I said, also for our lives as well. I deal with things from a business perspective, from renters and landlord, and had to evict people, and I know. 99% of the time, I'll get a judgment for thousands of dollars that they owe and they've destroyed. And that judgment's still there. I still have to go to court to move them out because they're unwilling to pay. And, and this seems harsh. That's just a general reality. If we don't pay our, the bank mortgage for our homes, they take the home away and uh, we lose the home. So so what I have to wrap my head around is, okay, it happened. I'm, I'm going to fix it. going to repair it. It's going to cost me something. It's not fair. It's not just. But guess what? Bitterness and anger and those things, you just got to move on. You know, forgive. Say they didn't know what they were doing. Now, some people come back and have done that and want to rent for me again. Do I allow them to rent for me again? No. No, <laughs> no. Do they still owe me money? Yes. But am I harboring ill feelings and looking to retaliate and get revenge? No, just move on. Let it go. Because otherwise you just carry a lot of baggage that is unnecessary in your life. And the same is true in human relationships and hurts and pains and slights and all of those things. Just let it roll over your back like water on a duck's back. Just let it roll. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, uh, you, you tell us your renter stories sometimes, and I don't know how you get through it sometimes, but uh, you're you're better at it than I am in a lot, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, so. it expands your capacity of forgiveness and love and compassion, and it doesn't mean just because I got a judgment doesn't mean that I don't hurt with those people. Well, sorry for those people, have compassion for those people. But there is a boundary. God expects certain things to do certain things certain ways. And if you don't value that and and aren't willing to do it God's way, there are consequences. God doesn't hate us, but he'll let us experience consequences. And in, in fact, the Bible teaches us that one of the reasons why he lets us experience consequences is because he loves us. And right, you know, and it's, it's a you will grow and change or not, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, like I said, always appreciate your uh insights and in, in some of the 
comparisons and things like that you make when you talk about forgiveness and I think you do a great job with that. All right. Uh, our next, I, I guess this is, that was our last story, but our next part is, uh, the, what you eating, what you watching, what you're reading. Is there anything new going on in your life, Chris, that you want to tell the people about that you're uh, reading or watching or even listening to or anything? Did I, the eating, I, I convinced you about that we have a local restaurant called Pappy's Barbecue and yeah. the best smoke wings in the world that I've ever had are at Pappy's Barbecue. And if you like to eat wings like a pig, like myself, and have a Wednesday night free, they have all you can eat wings. And the best are the buffalo smoked wings. That's the best. So that's what I'm I'm working on right now. Of course, I'm reading through the Bible chronologically and daily and Rick Warren's uh, daily devotion. Outside of that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some stuff with OSHA, with uh, Occupational Safe Health Administration. I'm, I'm getting certified in OSHA. So I'm learning how, how to make our environments more safe. And believe it or not, if you have bleach in your house, you have a toxic chemical and you should know how to use it. Wow. I'll have to go ch- go home and check how much bleach I have in the house. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not aware of how much is in there. So two small children yeah. running around. I shouldn't have any toxic yeah. chemicals in my house. So, <laughs> Did you know that if you use bleach, you should always have plastic gloves and goggles and perhaps even not only goggles, but a face shield. And you do not wear a face shield without goggles. Did you know that? I did not know that. So that's, yeah, you know, that's been life changing for me. I just look around and see how now. <laughs> life changing uh, bleach and, and toxic chemical work. Toxic work chemicals, slippery surfaces, lifting practices. I'm your man. Yeah, we we might just have to instead of having a sermon one Sunday, we'll just have to have a uh, Chris teach us OSHA training <laughs> one Sunday. I'm thinking about doing a speech on OSHA. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I, every time I get on here, I think to myself, "Do I have anything new going on?" But I'm on here every single week, so it feels like I never <laughs> actually have anything new going on. I'm t- more tired this week because my kids have been uh, a little bit extra rambunctious and woken up more in the middle of the night. So yeah. that's what's new with me. But yeah. hopefully next week I'll be. Did you tell them about your new your new? Uh, favorite food at Pappy's barbecue? I think I did last week. Yeah. I said yeah. The, the smoked wings, <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you. The Buffalo sauce is better. Number one, it doesn't have as many calories as like the garlic parm and the barbecue sauce that they have. Uh, and both of those, they're, they're just so thick. Um, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time eating very thick, uh, sauce on traditional wings. I can do it with like Boneless wings, which are essentially just chicken yeah. nuggets, but yeah. um, I can do it with those. But the buffalo sauce, it's thin enough and it's tasty enough that it. Uh, and I think uh, it's because they're smoked and they're not fried. I think it's a health food. Yeah, I really do. I think it's a health food. <laughs> sure, if those are health food, I'm eating it every single time, man. <laughs> like I said, like, I'm feeling like some wings right now. Yeah, yeah. You want to go get some wings <laughs> after this? Yep. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, all right, Chris, let's finish it up here. Our last thing, uh, truth, 
any truth in your life, any uh, Bible verse or anything that you've been reading about lately, or you've been just kind of meditating on a little bit more uh, than usual you want to share with the people? Well, like I said, I'm, I've been reading through Rick Warren's uh, devotional, and I've done this for several years, and it's always fresh, but what's hitting me right now is that faith is more than a feeling. It, it's something that we do. It's a practice. It is a difference maker it, in our lives. It's not something we profess to or feel like, and, and, and it pervades our whole life, our attitude and our actions and how we relate to one another. And we follow Christ by faith. So it's a critical piece of our life. So we just practice our faith. Yeah. No, I, I, right there with you, right there with you. So I don't have much other comment than, than that. Cause essentially we've covered that and practicing our faith through forgiveness and uh, the, the five different things listed before mm-hmm. feels like these episodes, I never know if they're going to go together well. And then <laughs> somehow we wrap them up and intertwine them all together every single time. So excuse me. All right, Chris, anything else you got for the people before we get out of here? Nope. It, I hope if you're not in who's your land right now, it is going to be 64 tomorrow. Today at this moment outside, it's 54. It's crazy warm weather. Hey, if you're having some struggles with some depression or you've just been inside too much, get outside right now because this is the it, it is as good as it gets in Indiana in February. Yeah. I plan on taking the kids to the park tomorrow. I got the kids with me uh, tomorrow all day. So I plan on taking them to Forest Park and Lottie loves the swings and everything like that. So looking forward to a nice day at the park tomorrow. Sounds good. Have a good time. Yep. Will do. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great day and we'll see you next time on FCC Talk.